I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm extremely excited today to talk about um, the, on the topic of grace. We've been on this series for a couple of weeks. But for those of you who don't know my name, my name is Joshua Samuel, and I am an evangelist. For those of you who do not know who an evangelist is, an evangelist is someone who tells people what Jesus has done for the world. Not just for the saints, not just for the believers, not just for the Christians, but what Jesus has done for the entire world. And so before I start, I want to honor, number one, Pastor Lewis for giving me this opportunity to stand in front of you. I do not take it lightly to stand in front of you. Um, I believe God has ordained um, certain people to stand and deliver the word, and I do not take that lightly. lightly. It's, a, it's a weight at the same time. It's a privilege to stand and give, bring you the word today. I also want to honor Pastor Mary and Pastor Lenny. Uh, for do, for being our leaders at this time. Um, I just wanted to honor them and all the other pastors, leaders, and everyone who makes church happen on Sundays and Wednesdays and throughout the month, basically. So we, we, we started off on this series called Grace, and Pastor Mary kicked off the series by talking about the greatness of grace. Pastor David followed with Grace that is greater than your mistakes. And then he went on to share on the next Sunday, grace that is greater than your pain. And the, uh, Victoria Garcia shared last Sunday on there is grace in this place. And so we had a good understanding so far of what grace is and the power that grace carries. Can somebody shout amen? Before I start off the sermon, I want you to pull out your phone real quick. Everyone, pull out your phone. And I want you to share this live broadcast on your social media platforms. Uh, I believe we're live on Facebook and YouTube. Go ahead and share it so that you can bless someone. You never know who's listening. You never know uh, who's tuning in. And so to bless someone, I encourage you to go ahead and share that. And... Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your sharing this live post so that you can bless someone else with your obedience. I want to welcome those who are attending Citywide Church for the first time. Is there anyone who's attending for the very first time? Can I see your hands raised, please? Oh, thank you so much. God bless you. I just wanted to welcome you today. Welcome you, sir. Welcome you. Welcome you, sir. Thank you so much. It's a privilege that you would choose to be here today, and we do not take that lightly. I want to start off with a prayer, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I want you, all of us to close our eyes, bow our heads, and I want you to re repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, plow the field of my heart, plant the seed of your word deep within me. Let it bring forth a harvest in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. So this is what's going to happen today. I'm going to give you a, a preaching, a teaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're going to get an opportunity, if you've never heard what Jesus has done for you, you will get an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and make Jesus the Lord of your life. And not just that, but if you are sick in your bodies and you need healing, and if you have, if you have a mental illness and you need healing, the Lord's presence is here to heal. 
The Lord's presence is here to heal. You know, this past week, before I go further, I'm just led by the Holy Spirit to share this. Almost four days in a row, I've been getting God dreams. And I don't believe it's a coincidence. I believe I've been getting that download, especially for you. Especially for you. And I believe there's going to be a powerful deliverance. I sense it in the atmosphere. There's going to be powerful deliverance today. So get excited and get ready. Because today your life will never be the same again. I promise you that. You might be sitting here and you might be saying, Hey, I have no clue who Jesus is. Well, today you will have an idea. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself will reveal himself to you through my words. And you will get to hear who Jesus is, who is fully God, yet fully man, who died on the cross for you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying to yourself, I've attended church, I've gone to church, I've done that thing. I even know a little bit about the Bible, I've studied a little, so I know about God. But let me tell you, it's not enough to know about God, you need to know God. You see, when you sometimes you grow up in a Christian home and your parents know about uh, know God, and you hear it from them, so you know about God. But until you encounter God and you know Him for yourself, you only know about God, but not God. But today, if you're sitting here and you know about God, today will be the day that you will know God. If you're sitting here and you are walking back into a church after a long time you stepped out of church and you've been living in a lifestyle that pretty much doing whatever you please today i feel like the mercy of god is welcoming you back home there is no condemnation or judgment he wants you to come home and he wants to love on you so if that is you today you are in a safe place but for those of you who have been serving at church every week on end, who love the Lord, who have a relationship with the Lord, today you're going to get to see a new perspective, a new revelation of God. And it's going to change your life forever. I promise you, every time we see a new side of God, it changes our perspective of God because we have received a revelation. Something has been revealed to us about God. I want us to open our Bibles. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And the title that I have for today's sermon is this. Grace received leads to grace revealed leads to grace released. I said, grace received leads to grace revealed leads to grace released. This is our core scripture for today. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Can somebody say grace? grace? That it might impart grace to the hearers. How many of you enjoy stories? Can I see your hands? I love stories. You know, as a matter of fact, I know that Jesus loves stories. 
Because wherever Jesus went, he spoke in parables or stories. You see, there's a powerful truth that Jesus uses to communicate to people through a story. So I want to talk to you about a story today. And this story is, is unique because the Holy Spirit gave me this story. And so I want to tell you the story. There was once a young Jewish boy named Caleb. Now Caleb was orphaned because his parents were killed in the Holocaust at that time. He was in Germany and he was orphaned and he was in an orphan camp along with other boys and they were on death row. They were going to be killed soon. On the other side, in England, Europe, there was a couple named Henry and Sharon. Henry and Sharon, they had a big palace and a big estate and a large property. They were living a happy life. But one day the news came to Henry that there, that there were these orphaned Jewish boys in a camp who were on death row. And that did something to Henry. Henry was broken in his heart. He was heartbroken. And he knew that he had to do something about it. So he went and spoke to his wife Sharon. He said, we got to do something about this. So Henry and Sharon, they sat and they began to plot a rescue mission. Henry and Sharon, they left their property, their estate, their palace. They disguised themselves as Nazi soldiers and they entered into Germany. They entered into Germany and they finally found this orphan camp. They found the orphan camp and over a series of strategic uh, missions, one final day, they rescued all these Jewish orphan boys. They rescued these boys and they are heading outside Germany. And as they are heading outside Germany, news comes to them that the soldiers have found out who they really are and the soldiers are hunting them down. And so they go to the border and they begin to put all these orphan boys in, in two big ships or boats, and they're, they're about to set sail out of the border of Germany, and they, and they find out, and they turn, and they look, and it's the soldiers, and they're, they're at gunpoint. So they push off the boat, so these boys are saved, yet they themselves are killed. But before they push these boys off, Henry gave Caleb a note. And then he pushed them off and they were rescued. So these boys with these two boats, they, they ended up on the, on, on the England side. And they were received by Henry, by Henry's butler. Now Henry's butler was waiting to receive them because they, he, had, he, had, he, had, he, he knew the plan that was designed for their rescue. And the butler receives them and Caleb goes on to hand the note telling the butler that Henry and Sharon are both no more. 
And so this butler, he opens up the note and he begins to read the note. And the note says this. These boys were rescued. And because Sharon and I do not have children, we give our inheritance to these boys so that they can have a chance in life. But the butler was angry because he was jealous. You see, the butler had been serving Henry and Sharon all his life. He knew that they did not have children. So he thought maybe perhaps looking at his work that he would inherit all their property. So he thought and he devised an evil plan. He said, you know what? I'm going to take all the boys and I'm going to go off in a far countryside and I'm going to put these boys to labor and make a living out of them. And so that's exactly what the butler did. He took all these boys, he went to a far off country land and he made them work in a farm. Years passed on. Now Caleb, when he was orphaned, he was seven years old. Now he's almost 14 years old. And he's, he's been working and the boys were okay working because they knew that they were rescued and saved. They knew that it's better for them to work than to be on death row and be killed. Caleb finds himself walking into the butler's office one day and he recognizes a piece of paper. And he remembers it's the note that Henry had given to the butler. So Caleb goes on to open the note and read the note. And he was shocked and surprised at what the note said. Because he was living in a situation that was contrary to what the note said. You see, my friends, these boys were held captive outside captivity. Did somebody catch that? These boys were held captive outside captivity. Point number one is this. Grace received is only available through mercy received. Grace received is only available through mercy received. I want to call Sister Pam up forward. I want to tell you a small description that will give you an, uh, an idea of what grace really is and what mercy really is. And I want you to follow me on this analogy. Welcome. Please give a round of applause for Sister Pam. Pamela. Sister Pam, you can stand there, all right? Yeah, you can face them, stand there. Now let's see, let's say Sister Pam was driving in a car and she was driving on a highway going, uh, there it is, she was driving on a highway going 90 miles an hour on a highway which is only with the speed limit of only 55 miles an hour. And so I'm the police officer and I pull over Pam and I pull her over and she stopped over there. And so I, the police officer, I come to her and say, Ma'am, you're going above speed limit. I've recorded you that you're going at 90 miles an hour. You've broken the law. And so Sister Pam says, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in a hurry. I, I was going fast. I was going at 90. 
So the police officer looks at Pam and says, you know what? You look like a good lady and you might have made a mistake here. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you go. I'm not going to give you a ticket. How many of you understand that that is called mercy? Does that make sense? Pam has, has broken the law, but I'm letting her go and that's called mercy. Now, if I was a police officer and I removed a $100 bill and I said, you know, the fine for speeding is $200, for example, but I'm going to give you $100 for you not to do it again. How many of you understand that that is grace? It's the unmerited favor of God. And so thank you so much, Sister Pam. Give a round of applause for her. You see, grace is the unmerited, undeserving favor of God, a blessing of God, in spite of the fact that we are sinners. Does that make sense? Let me, te- let me read another scripture for you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 and 7 and 9. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, 7 and 9. But God, who is rich in what? Mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Does that scripture come to life? In light of that analogy now? You see, even in the story that I shared earlier, just like Henry and Sharon, they left their estate and disguised themselves and entered into Germany as Nazi soldiers. Jesus Christ too left his throne, took on flesh of mortal men and came to live among us. He didn't have to do it, just like Henry and Sharon didn't have to go and save the orphan boys. But nevertheless, both Jesus and Henry and Sharon, they left the comfort to go and rescue these orphan boys. The question you need to ask yourself today is this, what made Henry and Sharon leave their palace? The answer is this, because of love. In Ephesians verse 2 and 4, what does it say? Because of his great love, which he loved us. Why did he do what he did? Why did Jesus leave his throne, leave his abode in heaven, and come down and take the form of flesh and lived among us? It was because of love. It was because of love. Remember, Henry and Sharon had no children. And the wealth that they had was worthless 
because they realized that their true inheritance was not in the wealth or the palace, but their true inheritance was in those orphaned boys. Let me read to you another scripture, Ephesians 1 verse 17 and 18. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Watch this. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That means, catch this. His inheritance in the saints. Think about this. God is the one who created everything. God created everything in the world. Nothing is without reach. He owns everything, including you and I. He doesn't need an inheritance. But yet, the only thing that God can inherit is your heart. The only thing that God can inherit is your heart. Just like Henry and Sharon knew that their real inheritance was in the orphan boys, Jesus came and lived and walked among us and died on the cross because he realized the true inheritance was in you and I, his saints. We are his inheritance. I, I, that, 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 you can't even make sense of that. Because God owns everything. God owns everything. All things belong to God, but there is one thing God cannot inherit. God cannot inherit your heart unless you believe. If you do not believe Jesus Christ, you cannot receive his mercy. And if you cannot receive his mercy, then you cannot receive his grace. If you cannot receive his mercy, you cannot receive his grace. There are several times when I go to, you know, give, give food for the, the homeless community. And sometimes I go to a few people and I, I give them food and they, they ask me, hey, what's, what kind of food is this? I said, well, may I, let's say it was Indian food. I'd say, well, this is Indian food. And, let, and, the, and the homeless person would say, well, I don't, eat, I, I don't really eat that food. Even though the person's hungry and the person's in need, the homeless person says, well, I don't really eat that food. So I said, you know, let me, let me just keep it here. If you need it, you can eat it. No, 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 don't keep it here. Go give it to someone else. Go give it to someone else. That's what a lot of the people, especially the people in the world, are like that. Well, Jesus died for you free of cost. He shed his blood so that your sins can be forgiven. Hey, I don't want that. I don't want that. But you know what? I know somebody who needs that. My brother. Or my sister. Or my family. Yeah, they, they need that. I'm okay. I'm doing okay. I don't need religion now. I'm safe. I don't need that. But I know someone who does. That's how the world acts. Because the world are homeless in the spirit. They do not have a home in the spirit. And they are blind just like a few of the homeless people that I encounter. 
Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. I'm sorry it's a little deep in theology, but I hope I'm trying to explain things the right way. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, say believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Only when you believe in Jesus Christ, God seals you with the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you cannot receive grace and you cannot receive mercy. You see, what, what's happening in that scripture is just like you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, it's a comparison to when you're buying a new home, before you own that home, you put a down payment to it. Yeah. That's exactly what Jesus is doing for you and I. He's putting the, he's given you his Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, as a down payment for your life. Grace received, again point number one, grace received is only available through mercy released or mercy received. I want to talk to you about point number two. Grace revealed is grace achieved. This might sound a little tough to understand, but let me tell you what that means. Grace can only achieve what it can when it is revealed to you. If you don't understand what grace is, grace cannot have power and bring transformation in your life. You see, little do you know in that analogy that I said, Pam she, she received mercy because she didn't have to pay a fine. Do you understand that? But she also received a $100 bill. So the next time she's driving on a highway, it's not the fear that's motivating her. It's love. Yeah. So next time she's driving on the highway and she's going past the speed limit, she's going to stop and think to herself and say, wait a minute, I got a free gift of $100. I don't want to do this again. And that becomes the motivating factor. But it doesn't end there. You see, God is a just God. So therefore, if I was a police officer and I let Pam go because she broke the law, I wouldn't be a just God. Or I wouldn't be a just police officer. But this is what the police officer does. He goes back to his car. He writes a bill and he pays the fine that Pam was supposed to pay. You see, unless the Holy Spirit reveals to you that the grace that you received came with a cost, you will not understand the value of grace in your life. You will not understand the value that grace has on your life. It will not bring transformation in your life. If Pam does not see, but that's why we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And today, the Holy Spirit is teaching you through me, saying, wait a minute, you receive grace not just because you deserved it, but because it came with a price so that justice can be fulfilled. So that justice could be fulfilled. You see, my friends, you and I might sometimes get stuck in sin. Because we don't understand the power of grace. We stay on the cycle of sin because we have not understood the power of grace. 
Let me read to you Ephesians 3, verse 2 and 5. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, with which was given to me for you, this is Paul talking, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I briefly, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed, catch this, by the Spirit. The, the reason I read that scripture is this. The grace of God can only be revealed to you by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Only the Spirit of God can reveal to you the grace of God. Yeah. It has to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. You see, in the story, Caleb realized that even though he was set free from death row, he was still a captive. How many of you believers today who've been purchased by the blood of Jesus are still being held captive to sin even though Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away sin and death? How many of you are still stuck in the pattern of sin just like that butler had kept these orphan boys as slaves and made them do work for him. The enemy is keeping you in a cage and making you work for him. Wow. Wow. You're stuck in sin and you don't really know who you are. But the moment it was revealed, when Caleb opened that note and it was revealed to him, his true identity and his true worth, not only his worth, but the inheritance that he has, something changes in his mind that causes him to live different. That means something has to change in your mind when, when the Spirit of God reveals to you who you really are and what your inheritance really is. Can somebody shout amen? Man, Josh, I'm teaching good today. Thank you, Lord. For example, I'll give you an example. Right? The world we're living in, especially this generation, is struggling in this area more than others. Mental illness. Right? Let me talk about anxiety and depression. You see, I was in a stadium a couple of weeks ago with 60,000 Christians worshipping Jesus. And there was this band, worship band that was worshipping. They're called Cageless Birds. And they were worshiping, and the, the lead singer started to share her testimony. She said, one day I woke up early in the morning, and I was filled with anxiety. Fear of what would happen to me in the future. What would happen to my family? What would happen with my job? What would happen with my finances? I was just being filled with anxiety, knowing that I'm not going to be okay. And I was fearful at that time. But the Spirit of God spoke to her, and this is what the Spirit of God said. The Spirit of God told her, Daughter, you do not have a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. And she said, No, 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 God, you don't understand. No, no, no. He said, Daughter, you don't understand. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a sound mind. 
And she goes on to, she wrote a song on it, it's called Sound Mind, it's a very powerful song and when I was in that stadium, all the people were crying and I looked around and I realized how many people struggle with anxiety. The reason why you think anxiety is your inheritance is because you're in the butler's cage in the farm working for the butler thinking that your inheritance is only pig food. The reason why you think anxiety is normal for a Christian is because you don't know who you really are. It's because you don't know what your inheritance really is. You don't know what cost Jesus Christ on the cross to purchase you with his own blood. That's why you think as a Christian it's okay to be anxious. Because you don't know who you really are. Today the Holy Spirit's taking the lid off and he's saying, revealing it to you and saying, that, that's not your identity. That's not your purpose. Can somebody shout amen? amen? Let me go after depression. Man, I love to go after the enemy. All right, let's go. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and de- destroy. I'm going to stop there. Now, depression is nothing but people who look at their life and say, my life is not worth much. My life is dead. It's not worth much. My life is dead. I don't have hope. I'm living in this dark place. As a matter of fact, a lot of people who struggle with depression, they don't want to talk to anybody. They want to be locked in the room. They don't want to see the sunlight. Nothing. They want to stay where they are stuck. But let me tell you what the Bible says. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, it, it goes on. It doesn't end there. Everyone knows this part. But it doesn't end there. But Jesus says, but I have come to give life and life more abundantly. You see, if you understood the life that Jesus has given you and the abundance of life that he's given you, you do not have the right to inherit depression. You have the right to stand in freedom and say, that's not my inheritance. I have life and life more abundantly. I don't have to live that way. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We don't have to struggle with that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's blessed us with everything. We already have it all. We have it all, yet we live and we fall inside a cage of anxiety, depression, fear, sickness, disease. Not realizing who we really are and what our inheritance really is. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons. Does that give you an idea of what that story meant? God has adopted us. Just like Henry and Sharon adopted those boys. But not only adopted them. He gave them an inheritance. He gave them a worth. He gave them a value. You too have a worth and a value and inheritance in Jesus Christ. And we are entitled to every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Point number three and I want to close with this. I want to recap point number two though. Grace revealed is grace achieved. Grace can only achieve what it can. 
if you truly know who you are. You truly know your purpose. Otherwise, grace cannot achieve its purpose in your life if you fail to realize your true identity. Point number three is this. Your true identity releases grace for yourself and others. Let me go back to that core scripture. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I want to talk to you about worthless talk. And mind you, Paul is talking to the Christians, not the world. You see, we in the body of Christ, we too have corrupt speech. All right? Or worthless talk. Worthless talk, the believer is to strip away filthy, foul talk. The word corrupt means sapros, which means rotten, foul, and polluting. Corrupt talk, of course, would include cursing, unholy talk, even worthless conversations that are so often carried by us believers. Scripture says that a man with a foul mouth has a mouth that is a stench or an open grave in Romans 3.13. So is a man with a sinful mouth. His mouth is foul. It's dirty. It's obscene. It's profane. It's dishonorable. It's polluted. It's filthy. It's detestable. It's offensive. The obscene mouth may range from off-colored humor to dirty jokes. From immoral suggestions to outright propositions for sex. But no matter, a man with a foul mouth stinks just like an open grave. This is what Jesus says. Watch this. Oh, generation of wipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So every time you catch your neighbor who is a Christian, not the world, remember, these are in Christians, giving talking foul language cussing or gossiping or talking making jokes that are not right you as a believer has to stop him or her stop them in their tracks and say hey we don't talk like that the reason you're talking the way you are is because your heart has been decayed because out of the abundance of your heart your mouth talks I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures and then wrap it up. This is what James says. That, and the tongue is a fire, a world of righteous, unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. James 3.6 Proverbs 24.2 for their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. But what should we do? What is the charge that I want to give you? Speak only good. The believer is to speak only that which is good and which will edify or build up people. We should not be the people who gossip. That means if someone is telling you negative news about someone else, you must be stopping that off and saying we don't have the right to talk like that we should be edifying our neighbor why should we speak good to build up others the scripture says that you might impart grace 
you might impart grace even if someone is doing something wrong when you don't call them out for their wrong and become an accuser instead you say you know what god is working in that person's heart god is going to do something powerful mark my words my friend something is going to change in their life the moment you speak like that you're imparting grace into that person's life and rather than that person walking out in sin that person starts to change his direction because he realizes and you realize that the power of life and death is in your tongue can somebody shout amen i want to end with this i want to tell you a story i believe i've shared this earlier but I'm, i i want to repeat it you see i had gone to a conference in kansas city a couple of years ago and during that conference my friends and i for the first time and i'm not meaning to boast here we decide to fast with no food for 3 days extremely difficult for the first time ever i did it we finish our fast and we are hungry so we decide to go to dominos because that was the only thing open at night after 12 so we go to dominos and there's this lady she's handling the entire place by herself the phone's ringing continuously she's not answering the phone and she's you know she's having a hard time managing her um, employees and so we order our food and then we're starting to get angry because we're hungry you see hungry people get angry i'm telling you so we we're starting to get angry and then uh, she brings us our food like 40 minutes late and so we go ahead and eat our food and my friends are starting to you know starting to release the words that bring death but when she came to collect our check the holy spirit told me tip her $20 So I tipped her $20. And she looked at me and she said, "I've been screaming, I've been doing a bad job. I've not given you the right, you know, the right service that you need deserve. Why would you do this?" And she starts to cry. And she starts to tell us, "I'm a single mom. I I'm trying to manage things. This is the only job I have. My world's falling apart because of my one act of grace." because i didn't act on judgment i acted on grace the grace the kind that empowers her tomorrow when she's working she's not going to work like that because she has received a gift grace is a gift and we get to impart that gift so next time somebody cuts you off on the road you bless them say god i pray for them i bless them i release the blessing upon them compared to having a worship service for the devil by calling them names and releasing words of death it's time for you to step up as a christian let's all jump to our feet now this is what's going to happen i want the ministry team to come forward I want the ministry team to come forward. But before we go there. Yeah, the ministry team you can come forward. If there's anyone in this room who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You don't know what Jesus has done for you. Today you got a chance to hear that Jesus shed his blood and died for you. He died for you because you too had broken the law. but because he died for you and he paid with his blood just like that officer had to go back and pay the money because 
Sister Pam had broken the law. Jesus paid the blood because you and I sinned and offended an eternal God. It's a free gift. Remember the story of the homeless man. You give them the food. He doesn't even want it, but he wants someone else to have it. You don't be that person. Today, the mercy of God is calling your name. This is a holy moment. If that is you, and you want to receive the mercy of God and the grace of God, this is what I want you to do. With boldness, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. I see one hand. Is there any other? I see one more hand. I want you to come forward. Please come forward, sir. Please come forward, sir. We want to pray for you. Is there anybody else? I believe there's one more person who the Holy Spirit is talking to. One more person. Do not wait. If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is your time. Come forward, sir. Thank you so much. All right, this is what we're going to do. Sir, they will lead you in a prayer of salvation. So, Brother Paul, lead, lead him in the prayer of salvation right now. This is what we're going to do. I believe that deliverance, I sense it in my bones. Deliverance is going to sweep the room. I believe there's a majority of people, and I just hear this right now. There's somebody on this side who who's been dealing with anxiety, a specific type of anxiety, an anxiety thinking that you're going to die. Who is that? Who is that? I see your hand. Come forward. There's deliverance for you. There's deliverance. Come forward. Come forward. Come forward. Come forward. All right. Now, that's one specific kind. Now, there are people in this room who are struggling with anxiety and depression in the mind. Thoughts of fear about the future and depressed about the state of your life. If that is you, I want you to run to the altar. Run. These people are here to pray for you. Come to the altar. Don't wait. This is the time of your deliverance. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed. All you got to do is be real with yourself because there is a freedom in this place that you cannot receive otherwise. Come forward, ma'am. Come forward. There are more people here. Come forward, ma'am. Come forward. Is there anybody else who struggles with anxiety and depression and you get hit with fear? I want... I want you to come forward and we're going to pray for you. There's going to be deliverance here. And I want to pray right now. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit who's already stirring up this atmosphere would touch you. So I want you all to close your eyes right now. Close your eyes right now. Close your eyes right now. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I declare and decree all anxiety and all depression to go in Jesus' name. You said in your word that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a sound mind. So right now, I declare to you a sound mind in Jesus' name. No more anxiety and no more 
depression in Jesus name Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly so right now receive the life that Jesus is giving you right now receive the fullness of life that Jesus is giving to you right now I want you to take it by faith take it by faith take it by faith take it by faith in Jesus name the Holy Spirit is moving right now He's moving right now. He's moving right now. He's moving right now. He's touching you. Just receive. Just receive. Just receive. Just receive. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Freedom. Receive your freedom. Receive your freedom. I believe somebody who's struggling with suicide is being set free right now. In Jesus' name, you have life. You have life. And you have life more abundantly. Life more abundantly. That situation that's supposed to weigh you down is the very thing that God's going to use to lift you up. This is not the end of your tunnel. It's the beginning of the light. In Jesus' name, it's not the dark part of the tunnel. It's the beginning of light in Jesus' name. Receive it now. It's not too late. If there's anyone else who wants to receive, the Spirit of God is moving here. It's not too late. If you want to receive, right now is your time. I want to pray for you now. I want to pray for you. Now if you struggle with worthless talk, if you struggle as a Christian and you use your mouth to speak death, to gossip, to curse, I want you all to open your hands right now. There's a special grace that's coming upon you right now for you to speak with boldness, speak life, so in Jesus' name, God, according to your word, there will not be any worthless, filthy talk that comes out of us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you empower us to speak life that brings grace. Speak life that edifies the people. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. In Jesus name. Sound mind. Let's sing for a minute or two. Let's go ahead and sing for a minute or two. Jesus you change everything. Jesus, you change everything. Jesus, you change everything. Oh, Jesus, you change everything. Jesus, you change everything. You work it out for my good. 
close out this service we have another service coming in if you're being ministered to you can stay but I want to dismiss you and I want you to respect what's happening here thank you so much for joining us go and have an amazing week God bless you God bless you God bless you go and live a life of victory in Jesus name I pray Amen. Let's let, let's walk out in a fashion that honors them. Let's not talk. Let's keep our conversations outside. But thank you so much for coming in Jesus' name.